Ronananian. The right to repair is coming up again. And this is bigger than, you know, who's going to fix it. You can go to town, but baby, if you'd rather, I'll take you for a ride on my big green tractor. The car doctor. When the tractor breaks down in the middle of the 200-acre farmer's field and they can't get a repair technician out there to fix it, the crop goes bad. Think about that. The crop goes bad. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome, Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor at your service at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. Cardoctorshow.com is the website. Obviously, podcasting available there. We are a live, nationally syndicated show, but we do podcast through our website, cardoctorshow.com. It takes you out to Spreaker and the nice folks at Spreaker Handle Distribution, and you can download us. And if you're doing it on your Droid device, your Apple device, Double Pod, or whoever your podcast service is. Just, uh, you can just go look for Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor. Download, click subscribe, favorite, whatever it is, and uh, take us with you wherever you want to go. And, and, and I guess taking us with you everywhere you want to go is, it has become a lot easier. I picked up, and I hope the earth doesn't fall off its axis here, but I actually got rid of a vehicle today. I know, I know that, like, I never, I never get rid of anything, but I traded in the 2008... Chevy Silverado one-ton 3,500 plow truck for a 2019 Silverado 2,500. I wanted to go down. You know, my kidneys were tired of taking the beating from the one-ton ride. I went to a three-quarter-ton ride, and it's it's like night and day difference. Uh, I, I can't tell you in terms of technology, in terms of the ride, in terms of, you know, 10 years of snow plowing. The truck's gotten looser, and it's still in great shape. It's still a great truck. It just, you know, I just... I saw the 2019, and I really fell in love with it. White, a white uh, WT 4x4. But the point of this open is, um, and thanks to the guys over at Paramus Chevy here in Paramus, New Jersey, um, Andy and, and Rob in uh, finance and all the guys in service in the service department there that uh, I was talking to this morning, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to this relationship. And the the technology to play something with you wherever you want to go it's staggering. It's amazing. And this is a base truck. This is a WT. I didn't get anything too fancy because it's a, it's a plow vehicle to me. So I'm just warning you, if, if something happens during the show today, I, I haven't quite figured it out, but my cell phone, because my droid is connected to the truck, which is parked outside of the studio here, and the truck is off, but I'm not sure if the phone is yet. Uh, uh, so, you know, just before we went on air, all of a sudden I was playing a little Elvis through my Amazon Music account because I was playing that in the truck driving over here today, and the phone started working again. So I'm, you know, I'm going to have to get my broadcast engineer, Tom Ray, to look at it after the show to uh, tell me what I'm doing right or wrong because it's, uh, it's, it's amazing what's in even a base vehicle in, in terms of technology and, and the capability that um that is there yes tom so what you're saying is tony and i'll be standing here for the next two hours after the show because i go through stuff with you and try to get you to you know understand tom it's <laughs> it's it's really it's really neat what you can do um you know it has my it has the my chevrolet app on it and so you know i sync the phone to the car 
I, you're acting like a five-year-old kid on Christmas playing with his new like toy. A, I am like a five-year-old kid on Christmas. Okay, playing we have a, a radio show to do. We are going to do a radio show. We're we're talking we're, about but you're talking about your brand new toy. Do you want to talk about the Giants? You had to go there. Uh, well, I just you started. You, you it. had to go there. You started okay. it. Okay. Uh, this is a family rate. This is a G-rated show, so I'm going to turn off my microphone. Okay. And, and, and the G is not for Giants. So you can take this technology and got rid of him, folks. You can take this technology. And it's really kind of neat. You can display what's on your phone right into the vehicle. So you know how if you go to your phone, you tap Google and you say Navigate 2 and you give it an address? You can now click Navigate 2 and it displays that on the phone, on, on the vehicle display. And you're not buying extra subscriptions. You're actually using either, well, you're either using your, your, your data from your phone or you buy a, I take that back, you're buying data from the vehicle. But it was reasonable. $20 is an un, un, unlimited streaming data package from GM for this truck. I mean, for 20 bucks, you know what? It's built in all the time. There's no updates. There's no navigation screens to update. There's no Sirius XM fees. There's no, it's all right there. It's incredible. I mean, really, really incredible, and it's, um, uh, you know, Tony's kidding with me because we were both talking about how we got to stay on the cutting edge because we are the cutting edge. We're the car doctor, and we've got to know what's going on out there, new or otherwise. So um, anyway, that's uh, that's my Chevrolet story for today as we kick off this hour. The car doctor, let's get over and talk to Terry in Maryland, 91 Bronco, not holding fuel pressure. Terry, what's going on? How can I help? Hey, uh, just give me a call. I have a 91 Bronco 5.8. It's initial startup on the, when you're priming the fuel pump. I'm running the uh, fuel pressure gauge on it. It's only going up to 30. And then after that, when you turn the vehicle off or even just uh, take the uh, power off the ignition, in about five minutes, it'll, it's drawn down. Right. It just, it just bleeds so, down, drops like a stone. Y- yes. Um, so I'm just wondering, is that something that is a, more than likely a – is 30 psi good at a running? Because uh, I was seeing something else where it should be around 40. Yeah, 30 sounds 30 sounds low on a key key off. Well, is it, are you saying engine running or engine off? Uh, I'm getting the same whether I, with just key on or engine running. And I'm wh- still only getting 30, so I think that's kind of low. Yeah, which which engine is this, Terry? Uh, five eight. So this is a five eight. Um, yeah, I mean that sounds low in terms of fuel pressure. Is it? Is it? If you turn the key, does it? Does it? You know, it takes a couple times to crank over and start. You almost have to prime it twice. If you prime it, let it go through its cycle, turn the key off, and then let it prime again, then it'll start to turn over. But it's still a slow start. So if if you if you turn the key on, let the fuel pump buzz, shut it off, let the and then you know do it again. And shut it off, you know, not not let it run, but just let it, as you say, cycle. Does the does the um, uh, does it start better? Uh, it's still, in my opinion, it's slow to start. Still, even with that, but it doesn't take as long. If you only do it one time, let it go through its cycle, and then try to crank it, you're cranking it for over five seconds in a. Even, even this old of a vehicle with a fuel engine, I just engines be. I've rebuilt the engine on it and things like that. Right. I, I bought it and I'm redoing everything, and this is what I'm finding. And when it's idling, when it does start, it runs fine. But once it kicks down past that cold initial startup, it'll start to surge. You'll you'll see the tack. It'll go. It'll it'll 
fluctuate about 200 or more RPMs, and you can you can hear it. See, it sounds so to, it sounds to me like low fuel pressure. You know, spec on that key on engine off spec. If you just turn the key on, don't don't start the engine. It, key on engine yeah. off is 35 to 45 psi all okay. day long. So yeah, if you're, I'm it, I'm low. I'm 30 yeah. with that just key on. Right. Um, so if you go to start it. If you go to start it, now the pressure regulator is involved. All yes, right. and I've taken that off, and that goes up to 40 when I take the pressure regulator off. With the engine? With the engine running. With the engine running. Yeah, but that's not a valid spec because the spec is 35, 45 off, 30 to 40 on. Okay. So they're, you know, they're testing it with the, with the pressure regulator hooked up. So, so let's, let's do a couple of things, all right? Um, first of all, the question becomes, if it is losing pressure, and it sounds like it is because it's low to begin with, does your fuel pressure gauge have a dump port, have a pressure relief port? Yes. Okay, so go down to the corner store, get a bottle of Snapple, because the Snapple bottles are about the right size. Um, pick a good flavor. And after you get done drinking the Snapple, with the engine running, hit the dump valve, and it should fill that Snapple bottle within 20 to 25 seconds. Okay. That's your that's your volume test. Plus, you get a Snapple out of the deal, so it's good. All right? Uh, yeah, that's the way it works for me. And, you know, if it passes that, we know volume is good, but then we're still suspect about pressure. The other nice thing is you can now also, and it's an older vehicle, you can now also take a fuel sample. You're looking right at the fuel. Is it dirty? Is it green? Is it is it, is it cloudy? Does it look contaminated? Uh, you know, what's going on inside the fuel system? Because it's now 91, 2001, 2011. It's almost 30 years old, right? Yeah. Um, so we, we, we take a fuel sample, we take a, a volume test, then we've still got a pressure issue. If you turn it off, within five minutes it drops, that sounds yeah. low. So then the next, the next thing we've got to do is somewhere in this vehicle on the return side, there should be a section of rubber hose that we could crimp off. Okay. Maybe back by the tank? Yes. And if we can do that, crimp it off. If it holds pressure... We know the problem is that way. Yes, it's because, back in the pump. Right, because there's, 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 two, well, there's three reasons why this system will lose pressure. One, it's a problem in the pump. Two, it's one of the injectors staying stuck open and peeing is a, is a technical term. I'm allowed to say that on family radio. It's a technical term. All right? And, and three, it could be the pressure regulator itself, but usually that's not a pressure on startup problem. That's usually it runs rough. You're telling me it smokes black. It's going through a lot of fuel, and you don't know where it's going. And if you took the vacuum line off and started it, you would see fuel peeing. There's that technical word again, out the yeah. nipple um, where the vacuum line went. So Yeah, I'm dry there. Right. I checked that out. So, you know, I mean, the other the other thing you can do here is, and it's it's extensive because this is a five eight. This has the intake manifold hanging over the one side of the rail. Is you know, yes. do, do you pull all the injectors up out of the motor, start it, shut it off? Do you see any of the injectors puddling? Well, you know, that's that's kind of a tough thing to do. Um, it, it it gets it gets a little ugly and involved there. Um, if mm -hmm. it if it starts okay such that no one cylinder feels like it's, it's, it's struggling to catch up, like it's loaded with fuel. You know, if when it starts, it finally starts, and it's good, clean, clear, etc. then I'm going to say it sounds more like a pump issue than a, an injector issue leaking down. You've, okay. got to, you've got to split the system in half and, and work it from there. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. This year it had a backflow 
preventer on that pump back in there or a check valve kind of thing? Yeah, they all do. They've all got to hold residual okay. pressure. The industry standard, you know, the industry spec is it's 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 different vehicle to vehicle. The one we believe that seems to be the most accurate is somewhere between 14 and 18 minutes. I've had some cars hold residual fuel pressure for up to 45 minutes an hour. You know, but, you know, if it's five minutes or less, nah. And your your pressure is low to begin with. So the only other thing you could do is possibly consider, do you have a faulty gauge? Take the gauge, hook it up to another car, get the spec for that one. If it matches that, then the gauge is right. Then you are really low pressure on your vehicle. Yeah, I tried it with both my uh, fuel pressure gauges, and I'm coming up with the same. Yeah, so. I just, <laughs> trying to eliminate all possibilities yeah. as much as it, it, I it, can. It, it sounds like we're chasing a pump issue or, you know, uh, like I said, either residual pressure pump issue or the injectors, all right? If you need more, okay. just uh, feel free, Terry. Reach out, and uh, we can talk about it again next week. Let me run them up against the clock. Tom, Tom's, Tom's yelling at me. So, um, okay. that Tom. All right, you take good care, and thanks for calling in from Maryland. All right, thank you. You're thank very you. welcome. You're very welcome. 855-560-9900. We're running any of the car doctor. We are coming back right after this. What's more fun than listening to Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor and getting that car fixed right? 855-560-9900. Give Ron a call. Now, back to Ron. Hey, this email just in. This one comes to us from Russell in North Carolina. Hey, Ron, I'm listening to you live down here in North Carolina, and I want to know, how come you're such a big Ford guy, but you bought another Chevy? What's the reasoning behind that? Are we missing something? Which vehicle should we be buying? Russ. Russ, the deal is this. I like the Fords, the F-150, 250, etc., the problem is lifting them, all right? Uh, you know, it's it's, and you got to think about who's going to work on it, okay? The 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 frame supports the way Ford sets it up. They make lifting the F two fifty Super Duty, the F three fifty Super Duties, kind of tough. It's not easy. It it takes some special lift adapters, and it's a lot of work. It's not as quick and simple to lift as, as a Chevy, and that's not the only reason. There were some other things that the Chevy had that I really liked that made me want to steer that way. And, you know, I think it's a matter of personal preference. Both good trucks, all right? I'll leave it there. Ford or Chevy, both good trucks. But one of the reasons I went with Chevrolet is, uh, you know what, past experience, this is my third Silverado in, uh, let's see, 91, 2001. I guess it's coming up on 30 years I'm driving Silverado, so uh, I've always had a good experience with them, and they've always done the job. And um, they, they last a good long time. Let's go over and talk to Todd, New Bern, New Bern, North Carolina. We're coming in strong in North Carolina today. Todd, how can I help you today, brother? Todd. Uh, hey, Ron. Um, hey, I've got a 2013 Jeep Wrangler. And my wife and I both work for the government. Right. And we're getting ready to transfer over to Japan for a three- to four-year tour. And so I'm really looking for some advice on long-term storage on this vehicle. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for your service. I can only imagine. Um, how's the floodwaters down there, by the way? You guys got hit kind of hard, right? Thankfully, we didn't have the floodwaters, and they kind of receded, but there are there's a lot of damage. Yeah. Um, we had some pretty good damage to our house, but I, I still feel blessed. We yeah. can live in our house. Yeah, right. You can. You, you got a place to go home to at night. Um, is is anybody going to be able to start these or drive these, Todd, or you just want to put them away and let them sit for four years? Uh, my plan was to get a, a covered a storage unit, uh, put it on jack stands, get it off the ground, take the battery out. Fuel is my, I guess, my main question. We've got, I can get ethanol-free fuel here. Uh, do I take that, fill it full of stable, keep it full, and park it? Hope for the best. <laughs> or do I try to drain it all the way? I try to drain. I I I try to drain it all the way. 
I well, let me think now. Four years—that's a long time, brother. Yeah, I think four years would be the far point. We're probably a little over three. But. You know, even even so, so is it is it going to be a heated time. space or is it going to be reactionary to temperature? Uh, we'll be un- yeah, it's not going to be conditioned. Yeah, um, you know, and I guess there's just no way to get somebody to kick it over once a month to to, to at least start it, run it, you know, that type of thing. Probably not. Um, not easily. Not easily. Let me let me ask you this question. All right, and just if, if I'm out of line, tell me. But a 13 Wrangler, what makes it so special? Why do you want to hang on to this thing three, four years? Uh, tell you what, it's one of the few vehicles I bought new. Um, I ordered it. I loved it. I and literally just before this job offer came, like two days before, I put a lift and tires on it. Okay. Uh, I've got a winch and a bumper, and I, I built it to be mine. Right. Um, yeah. All right. I get and it. And it's just yeah, it's just kind of special. I get it. Um, I get it. Um, my concern is, you know, and, and I like the idea about lifting it. I think that makes sense. You know, my concern is, is, is it's, it's all about environment, all right? I picked up my 70, 72 Monte Carlo with 42,000 miles on it out of a barn in Texas. Key point there is Texas, right? Pretty stable temperature. Right. <laughs> um, it was in the middle of nowhere. Um, I can't even think of the name of the town. It was 300 miles northwest of Houston. Houston, Houston, whatever. Um, you know, and when I got it, I just, you know, rolled it off the flatbed and put fuel in it and drove it into the shop, and it worked. It was fine. It had been sitting since 2004 with nothing in the tank. So, you know, that being said, it was in a good environment. You know, you're going to, you, you know, it's you guys get temperature. It's going to be hot. It's going to be cold. It's going to be damp. It's going to be dry. And, you know, I question how long stable or any fuel supplement additive is going to have for you know a chemical shelf life i don't think yeah. they give longer than 12 to 14 months or am i wrong i don't know that they give a four-year that's 48 months that's an awful long time uh you know that just it's it just it just makes you wonder um would i be better off fill it and then just kind of planning on draining the tank before i started well, you could do that, and then the question becomes, what will that fuel do? Because it would have to be, you know, like you said, ethanol-free. What will that do to the rubber components? You know, four years is a long time. Shelf life on fuel, shelf life on fuel, they tell me now, for a vehicle is, is really, you know, they, they're talking about anywhere from 60 to 90 days, and they say gasoline loses its pop now. It just, it just doesn't have that ability When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter, getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. Hey, Todd, welcome back. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, we're here with you. Are you there? All right. Hey, yes, sir. We, uh, we, we, we call that a technical ooh-ooh. So, but, um, Todd, my apologies. I wasn't paying attention, so we're going to blame the board operator yeah. this one time, okay? Yeah, Tony actually made a mistake, which really doesn't happen a lot. Um, oh, no. So, but, yeah, it happens once in a while. Listen, it's live radio. People want to know, gee, is it a live show? No, not at all. We doctor everything. No pun intended. Um, I had Tom because Tom has access to a computer. I had Tom Google stable while we were in the midst of that pause. 
And okay. if, you, if you read Stable's um, uh, literature, it says it keeps fuel fresh for up to 24 months. So four years is a problem. Yeah, we're a little past it. Right. And then the other thing I was thinking about is that to leave the engine in that one position for four years, think about what it's going to do to the valve springs. All right, everything's going to take a set. You know, you've got you've got a couple of springs True. under load, you, some that aren't. So, you know, how far are we going to go? We're going to pull the valve covers off, valve cover off, whatever engine this is, and and back off the springs. You know, four years is a long time, brother. Whether it's three or four, that's just a long time. Eight months, ten months, a year, I get it. But it, the problem is, unless it's in a perfectly controlled environment, you know, I think it's going to age and surprise you. So yeah, that's right. I haven't had any problems, and I was just—I don't want to come back and right. You know, right, so have to rebuild the fuel system. Or, well, rebuild the fuel system. You know, uh, get oil pressure working. Have dried out pan gaskets. You know, no family members, friends, relatives. Nobody has a last-ditch moment that you know once a month or once every three months could start this and run it and keep its juices flowing. Uh, I I was thinking about that over the break, and I probably. I'm sure I could set somebody up if the uh, the owner of the storage unit. We know them, so that right. might be an option. You know, even if you, even if you slipped the guy a couple of bucks and said, you know, if he charged, what would he charge you? Twenty five, thirty dollars a month to watch over it, kind of like a babysitting service. Yeah, it, it couldn't be much to go out and fire it, it up. It, even if it was fifty bucks a month, all right, fifty yeah. times ten, six hundred a year times four years, twenty four hundred bucks. Uh, for, yeah. Um, but to come back, what you would save in potential hassle of fuel system breakdown and, 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 and pan gasket, you know, kind of keep it wet. you got to keep its juices flowing. You don't want anything to get hard and, and, and um, you know, dried out. That's a problem. And, yeah, really, that, that does make sense. You had to have somebody start it. I know that it's a long time. It's a long time. It's four years. Um, you know, it took, it took Tony that long just to get through the 10th grade. I mean, it was... Uh, <laughs> Um, it might be that long before the Giants have a winning season. Sorry, Tom. Um, You're going to knock it off, okay? Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Focus on, on, <laughs> I, on I, the car today. To, You're going to focus on cars, automobiles. I, I had okay? to get that We're one in there. We're talking about so. the gridiron. Okay? Who's, who's giving him a ride home after the show today? You are. Uh, uh-oh. So, okay. But um, that's where I'd go with that, Todd. All right? I would, I would try and get, can somebody run this, drive this, et cetera. All right? Um, you know, because I think what you're trying to do, long-term storage, and if you can't, and if, if you've got to leave it, I'd drain the fuel system dry. I would drain the fuel system dry. I would leave coolant in it, and I would leave, you know, transfluid in, obviously. I would just get rid of the fuel and, you know, re- deal with rebuilding the fuel system um, if you had to when you got back. Okay. You know, that just that, that just makes more sense. No chance you can take it with you to Japan, is there? I they drive on the wrong side of the road there. Well, I, I think that beer be probably wouldn't end up well. Yeah, well, yeah, but you know what? You could at least start it and run it over there. That's true. Well, yeah. I'm hoping I can find a nice old Toyota Land Cruiser over there, bring it back. Right. We'll see. Yeah, but um, just that's my thoughts, brother. If, if you're telling me a year, that's one thing, but this is this is too long. Okay. So, all right. All right. I'll work hard, real hard on getting somebody to. Uh, Fire it up for me. Call us back in four years. Let us know how you made out. <laughs> All right. Thank All right, you. You take good care. Let's get on over and talk to Nick in Oregon. Um, Nick, 99 Lexus. Gee, I hope you're driving this car every day. I don't know if I could take another four-year storage question. So how are you today, no, Nick? What's going on? Uh, I'm good. It is my daily driver. Okay. Uh, 
I got in after work uh, last week, and um, the check engine light came on, and it was running rough. So I, I limped at home, and I pulled the codes on it, and I had a, oh, a P0306 and a P0171, um, which is a misfire, and, and two lean on bank one. So I, uh, I changed out a O2 sensor downstream and I cleared the codes and right and immediately came back was the 306 misfire and then I had some pending um, 302 300 multiple misfires okay. and then you know so and that's where I'm at now I, I did I have checked fuel pressure and that seems good and I really don't know where to go what what now what what kind of scantle do you have does it read data stream yeah. Okay. So, you know, the next time this happens, when you get a lean or rich fuel code, uh, let's look at data stream. Where is it? All right. If, if, if that, do you understand data stream, Nick? I think we've talked about this, no. haven't we? Have we? Not, not, not totally, no. All right. Um, were, you ever, were, you, were you a Boy Scout? Ever build a campfire? Of course. So, you know, you get that fire going with nice dry wood, and it's a nice even fire, and it's the right color, and it's the right temperature, and, you know, it's, 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 it's not too hot, and it's not too cold, right? That's a good fire. And you look at it, and you go, wow, right. that's a good fire. That's 0% fuel trim. That's fuel trim on the money. That means that the computer is seeing the proportional amount of fuel being drawn in or being placed in and, and exhausted out as deemed necessary by its software. The cake mixture is balanced, okay? The mm -hmm. cake won't be too hard. The cake won't be too soft. It's going to come out just right, all right? Now, gotcha. if, if if the fuel trim is lean, that signifies what? If it's lean, it's, it's, a, it's a disproportionate or an out-of-proportion mixture. It's got too much of something and not enough of the other. In this case, it's got, it's got too much oxygen. So the computer sees that extra oxygen, and it starts dumping fuel. It says, hey, I'm trying to get the cake mixture or the fire back to that even consistency, so I'm going to add more fuel to try and you know, bring things back to where it's supposed to be, and it keeps watching the air fuel or the O2 sensors on the vehicle. Hey, when's it coming back? When's it coming back? Where, where's that mixture, right? Right. If a vehicle has a misfire, what do you think that does to the mixture? Throws it off. Right, but which way? Well, it'd be lean, I guess. Right. Why would it go lean? Do you know? Lack of fuel. Well, lack of combustion. Right. There's no ignition. Right. There's no ignition cycle. Now, can an oxygen sensor sense fuel? No. Can an oxygen sensor sense oxygen? Yeah. Yeah. So if if if, if oxygen isn't being consumed in the in, in in the cycle, all of a sudden, all this extra oxygen's got to go where? It's got to go out the exhaust. It's got to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. Okay? So the, the computer will likely see that as increased oxygen content and set a lean code. Make okay. sense? Yeah. So, so what I want you to do now is clear the codes. I think bank two, two it's, it's probably two, four, and six are in the forward bank. This is a V6, obviously. Is if, if I'm writing what I'm thinking in that bank two where two, four, and six live are, are are the forward bank, the easy one to get to. If you're getting pending misfires on two and a hard misfire on six, swap, swap the, the coils. Yeah, swap the coils. 
Take a magic marker, write down on the top of the coil, 246, so you don't get confused. All right? Right. You know, put number two coil in, in, in three, put number six coil in two, put number three in number six, something like that. And then mix up the plugs and write down what you put where. Clear the code, start the car, what comes back. If the same two coils, which are now in two different cylinders, hopefully, still report a failure, then I would start thinking coils. Now, the one problem mm -hmm. is here, you've got, you've got two coils and three cylinders to pick from, unless you want to take the plenum off the back and, and sneak a no, coil in there, which is, yeah, it's kind of tough. All right? Well, yeah, but, I mean, it can be done. I put plugs in it. Yeah. A while back. Yeah, it's not it's not the hardest, but it's it's a lot of it's a lot of cuts and braises and and bruises, and I'm I'm getting lazy as I get older. Um, just right. make sure if you determine that this is coils, do yourself a favor and buy some good quality stuff. Try and stay away from the junk online, because you know mm -hmm. it's 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 I just see a lot of issues with some of these cut rate discount uh, auto parts, especially ignition coils and the like. If um, I went to O'Reilly's, I could get a good, yeah, a good coil. You, you get out to an O'Reilly Auto Parts, you'll get a good coil, and huh. you can ask them, hey, what works? What do you have? And plus that, you can also look it up online at O'ReillyAuto.com. All right, I, sir? I have, one, I have one quick question I'll for tell you, you what. Hold that question. Let me pull over and take the pause, and we'll deal with it when I get back. I'm running Annie in the car, Doctor. Don't anybody go away. Let's uh, rock along, Ron and Andy in the car, Doctor. Here, Nick, Oregon. Go ahead, Nick. Finish up real quick, babe. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <clears throat> um, all my previous vehicles that I've owned um, have distributors with caps and rotors. Right. And if I do if I do a tune up, I do um, spark plugs, wires, cap, rotor, and I always seem to you know have really good luck with that. Well, these coil packs are is that. Are those similar where, like, you would do spark plugs and then change all the coil packs, how or many, do you how, wait? How, how many miles are on the car? 174. All original stuff? It, yes, I believe so. Well, you're probably due for coil packs. You know, everything has a finite life. It's now 20 years old. You know, we would want to change the coil boots. But, see, here's the deal, all right? Now, maybe in your case, you can actually get to the coils, and it's it's they're accessible, but... On, on some of the newer stuff, we look at it. When it gets to 100, 125,000 miles and we're doing plugs, I always mm -hmm. explain to the customer, look, it's going to be X number of hours in labor to get the intake plenum off and actually get to the plugs. For an mm -hmm. extra, at that time, what amounts to a $350 in coil parts, you want to just mm -hmm. do the coils now and get it over with for the back three. You want to wait on the front three, they're easy to get to. I always look at it right. in terms of labor, in terms of you know accessibility. The other thing to be aware of that Lexus Toyota seems to run concurrent and common with is one coil goes bad, it tends to throw the system out of whack that it'll start reporting false errors, misfires, and other cylinders that ne isn't necessarily true, and I believe it has to do with the way the system is wired, all right? And that's just mm -hmm. something the way it came out of the factory. I don't believe it's as far back as 99. I think it started somewhere around 03, 04. But, again, we're back to, you know, look at the age of the system, all right? And right. It's, it's, it's 20 years old. So the other thing to think about, too, is if you're going to drive this car any, any, any great distance, when you, if you do take the plenum off uh, to do the back coils and plugs, if, if, you, if you have to, also remember, think about, take a look at the valve cover gaskets. Because mm -hmm. if the valve cover gaskets are seeping, and by now they've, geez, it would be, probably doing the Smithsonian. If it wasn't, it would be so rare that this, this, this is the moment to do the valve cover gaskets, too. 
Right. All right. right. Um, and then, and then, last thing to think about is, you know, you're doing plugs and coils. Let's think about carbon deposits. A can of Berryman with Hess Technology, as long as you're going over to your local O'Reilly Auto Parts, wouldn't be the worst idea in the world either. Some good carbon cleaning is always a good would order. You, would you recommend a mass airflow sensor cleaning? Not unless you're not? not unless you're having a problem. You know, not okay. unless you're having a problem. Um, I mean, I would look at it. How dirty is it? Uh, you know, maybe I want to take a very tightly wound Q-tip and gently rub the element if I can get to it. And how dark is it? Um, uh-huh. You know, but I tend to leave my mass airflow sensor cleaning unless it's, unless, I, you know, what am I looking for? I'll put it to you this way. If you want to clean the mass airflow sensor, do it after you do the plugs, do it after you do the coils, do it after you do the valve cover gaskets. Wait a week and then do it. Look at fuel trim before, look at fuel trim after, and you'll see and judge how well or how much of a difference it does or does not make. The other thing you can okay. look at the other thing you can look at real quick, because I'm up against the clock, see if your scan tool has calculated load as a PID. All right? So take it out on the road, 10-mile, 15-mile-an-hour flat road, nobody around, kick it. Put your foot through the headlight. Where does calculated load go? If calculated load goes 85 90% or better, that mass airflow sensor is fine and it's reporting correctly. If it's less than 85%, my venture is, yeah, maybe you want to clean it because the mass airflow is getting sluggish and doesn't respond and report as well as it should. All right? Right. That's, okay. That's what I got, kiddo. I got to run. I'm up against the clock. I'm tight. You call back. You need more information. Always a pleasure. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's Cruise and back. Don't go away. Who's going to drive you home tonight? Hey, Ron and Amy is glad to help you out any way he can. Mike and Danellen, what can we do for you, sir? We got two minutes. Hey, Ron, I appreciate you taking the call. Yes, sir. Um, the, the coil pack question was interesting. I had a friend with a cruise, a 15 cruise with 48,000 miles on it that they went on it. So yeah, crazy. not not uncommon. I mean, but there's a you know there's a Lexus with a with a buck 75 on it. So every car is a little different. So but but um, anyway, anyway, what I was calling about is is the proliferation of turbos today. Are there any things that you might tell people? Uh, to watch out for back, like back in the old days. Well, I used to have a lot of problems with them because I'm Ford's having some problems today. Yeah, you know, Mike, I think I think the thing to think about with the turbos is, you know, you've got to be aware of all the heat that they generate. And you know, back in the day, 15, 20 years ago, we always worried about head gasket, mechanical failures in the engine. It seems like the engines have gotten a lot better, but it's also still true that the amount of heat that the turbos generate can really help oil to break down and create oil issues. The other thing to be mildly aware of is the fact that depending upon how a repair shop does a fuel system cleaning, that they can actually damage the turbocharger seals or any of the seals in the turbocharger system if they're not correct and cause issues there later on down the road performance-wise. There are some very specific procedures for doing carbon cleaning on the on the GDI or the gasoline direct injection engines. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna point that out to you. Right. Was there any difference between the GDI motor and a, and a straight uh, engine? Yeah, I mean it's it's it? it's the, the the biggest difference is in my mind. You know, well, I think the the later model ones with with turbos are made better, built better, and last longer. But some of the maintenance steps are definitely more involved, and they take a little bit of TLC. And it's not just hook up the same machine you hooked up 20 years ago and expect it to do the same job. If you're using 
five or even ten-year-old technology on these cars, you can actually do more harm than good, and obviously that's not where you want it to be. So, but um, anyway, appreciate the call, Mike, as always. And for everyone else, I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.